short series of message. We're going to take a little bit of a break from the Gospel of John uh, for a few weeks in order to focus on the life of families, about real families. Now, I, this is not going to be a series of messages about, hey, having a real family is really, really hard, and so I'm going to give you three simple steps by which you can succeed as a family. I mean, all of us know that, that family life can be incredibly difficult and complex. Even in the most healthy of families, there are going to be times of, of stress and, and there are going to be times of brokenness. And, and this all uh, kind of traces back into what it is that we have our lives centered upon. Uh, what is it that engages all of our mind's attention and all of our heart's affection? And so, even on, on this particular day uh, of Mother's Day, I, I want to address the idea of uh, being a mom on a mission, now, not just allowing your, your life to, to get sapped away or to float by, uh, and, and not being a mom, but uh, having watched Angie and thinking about her mom and thinking about my mom and uh, the, the other mothers, both uh, young and not as young anymore. What I see about moms who are able to capture their lives in such a way that, that they see their lives with fulfillment and they see it fulfilling their purposes within their faith is not just looking for that easy believism or that, you know, three rules to, to a happy life that you f would find in, in just a magazine, but rather it is anchoring one's life. It is that Christ centered living that makes a difference. Now, I, I uh, earlier this week said to uh, somebody in the office, uh, Mother's Day might be uh, the most difficult day of the year for me to write a sermon. Now, as all of you know, I have got a lot of words. I mean, I am never short for phrases and things to say. Uh, but when it comes to this particular day every year, I always find myself struggling through trying to make sure that I can encapsulate in this 30-some-odd minute moment that we have together of worship and of study of the Word, exactly what can I deliver to these women in our lives that is important, but also not leave out everybody else in the room. And so for moms… What I want you to hear today is that you can find beauty in the work that Jesus does in your life. Uh, for the guys in the room, I hope that you will hear what the Bible says that we are to be in support of the women that are in our lives. For the ladies in the room that are not yet moms, but you hope to be one day, this is what you do in terms of where is it that you want to aim your life. And for the ladies in the room that you're not a mom, this is a way for you to show support to those women in your life that, that do have kids, whether they are young kids or whether they are adult kids. So, in thinking through all of this, we're going to traipse through several different places within Scripture about what it might look like for you to be a mom on a mission. I want you to begin with me, and so you can go ahead and start rifling through your Bibles and find your way over to a pretty uh, relatively normal passage that, that, that we hear on a Mother's Day, and that's in Proverbs chapter 
31. So if you go to the center of your Bible and you open it up, you're probably in the book of Psalms, and then just go over one more book and you'll be into the book of Proverbs, and then Proverbs 31 is actually the very last chapter of that particular book. And, and so I've got these three ideas I want to lay in front of you that I think are, are good and biblical principles uh, for being a mom on a mission. The first principle is this, and that is embrace true beauty in yourself. Embrace true beauty in yourself. You know, beauty is a moving target. It, it all depends on what culture you live in and, and in what era of history that you live in. Beauty is always something that is being, is, is being redefined in our lives. And, and what we often see in the women uh, that are moms is sometimes a, a, a chasing after what real beauty might be in their lives. As a matter of fact, in, in order to illustrate this, I want you to, to see three photographs. Now, if uh, any of you came in through the Manatee Avenue side of, of our worship center, you, you walk through our Passage Art Gallery, which right now has, uh, has uh, uh, paintings and drawings from students from Johnson Middle School and from Bradenton Christian School. And there were three of these pieces of artwork that I thought really illustrated this idea of what it looks like for a woman, because these are all pieces of art that were done, done by young women. They were done by female students about what it looks like to chase after this idea of beauty. Look at this first one. Here's a, a person walking under the umbrella, and the words there in the darkness that they're trying to, uh, to hide from is worthlessness and sadness, anxiety, imperfection, trying to walk into the sunlight of happiness, of acceptance, of kindness, of peace, of of joyfulness. I mean, it's, this is, this is the, the road that many of, our, of the ladies in our lives are trying to walk through, and this was done by an eighth grader. Look at this second photograph. Here's a, a group of, of friends trying to pull their, I'm assuming, female friend over from this place where she's got a ball and chain on her arm where she's held down, worthless, fat, useless, ugly, lonely, alone, nobody. To this place where it's, she's considered brilliant and gorgeous and amazing and marvelous. One more. This is the one that struck me the most by Amalia. This girl trying to find her reflection in the mirror, but she has this missing piece in her life. I, I, uh, several of us talked about it on Thursday night when we had a reception for the parents and the, the students that produced this artwork that uh, we want to we meet this girl and find out the story behind this. Beauty is this constantly moving target. Look with me at, at Proverbs 31 where it gives us some insight here. After this long passage about a virtuous wife of noble character, it says in verse 30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. 
You know, all of these things in the world of charm and beauty, they are deceptive and they are fleeting. The moment that you think that you have hit the target on physical beauty, beauty is assigned by the world, they're going to move the target on you. As soon as you hit the bullseye, they're going to move it on you. As soon as you've got it down pat in, in the 60s, well, then the 70s come along and everything changes. The moment that you think that you've got the beauty standards nailed in the 1990s, well, then the 2000s come and everything changes again. As soon as you think that you've got fashion figured out, Paris changes it. Why Paris? Why do these people get to decide all this stuff? The moment that you think you've got it figured out, then the second kid comes along. The moment that you think you've got it figured out, then your job changes and your schedule changes. The moment you've got it figured out, all of your metabolism changes. <laughs> and so, this is why the Bible tells us that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. And instead, we have this opportunity as guys to encourage you in this way, and ladies, for you to focus your life's attention into what it says will last. The woman who fears the Lord, she's the one who's praised. The one whose life is centered upon an eternal adornment of what is truly beautiful. Let me point you to a, a passage in the New Testament. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 3. In this particular passage, Peter, the apostle, is specifically addressing how husbands and wives relate to one another. And he says into this Roman Empire culture in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, he says, don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. You know, what is it that you want to adorn yourself with? Is it with the charm and the beauty standards of a world that is never going to let you hit the finish line there? Is it with all of, the, uh, all of the chasing after the latest styles and the latest fashion and the latest whatevers that's going to bring you somehow in alignment with the latest person who is on the, the, the cover of Vogue magazine? Or are we going to find this way for you to live in, in, in this imperishable, never-dying, everlasting quality of the kind of character that is worth so much in the sight of God. This imperishable quality of your spirit aligned with your salvation. This is what is beautiful in the mind of God. Because as I was thinking about these little girls that we were praying for earlier, uh, these three little girls that are going to be raised in a, in a new era that we haven't been raised in, and they're going to be given new standards that we haven't been given. And, they're going to, and things are going to be foisted upon them that, that weren't foisted upon us. And, and is it that we want these little girls to chase after whatever that latest hairstyle, jewelry style, fashion style is, so that they can somehow find their worth in the face of the world by how they look, 
Or is it that we want to hand to them a, a, a spiritual life and a spiritual example of having their lives and their spirit, their heart, aligned with the great salvation that we can inherit from Jesus that is an imperishable quality, not something that just changes with the whims of society and culture. And, and so, to the ladies that, are, that you're here, whether you are a mom or you're not, what I, I, want to, I, I want to give you permission, if you ever needed it, but I, I, want to re, I want to say a word of release to you that you can walk away from trying to adorn yourself like the rest of the world in order to gain their approval and instead be embraced by the beauty of your salvation that you inherited by the work of Christ that brings your spirit in line with His work because God says this is the imperishable, everlasting quality that He wants to see in your life, that He will birth in your life, that He will grow in your life, that you can embrace the true beauty of being adorned by Christ and not chase after the adornments of the world, which are all just traps that you'll never catch. So embrace true beauty in yourself and for yourself. Secondly, a second thing that I would say to, to moms is that you have a responsibility, and that is to display godly character publicly. If you're going to embrace true beauty personally, then there's something publicly that's going to happen in your life. If you will, turn over to the little book of Titus chapter 2. Now, if you find the books in the New Testament that start with the letter T, they're all clustered together, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, and then Titus. Uh, Titus is a pastor, and Paul the apostle is writing to him uh, to tell him how to lead his church well. And in Titus chapter 2, he is encouraging him about how the people in the church are supposed to relate to one another. And he tells him in, in chapter 2, verse 1, that you need to proclaim the things that are consistent with sound teaching. In verse 2, he tells the older men of the church to be self-controlled and basically have good character. And then here in chapter, in chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, it he tells the older women of the church how they're supposed to relate to the younger women of the church and what they're supposed to be discipling them to do. Verse 3, in the same way, older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not slaves to excessive drinking. They are to teach what is good so that they may encourage the young women. And here's what we're supposed to hand to the young women to love their husbands, and to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, homemakers, kind, and in submission to their husband so that, why should they have this kind of character? So that God's Word will not be slandered. Now, slander is something that happens in the public sphere, 
Slander is when you publicly decry something to be untrue or unfit, or you, decry, or you say this person is not worthy of our attention, affection. They're not worthy of a good reputation. And so he says, young women, and he, he describes them as people who are wives and mothers, are to live in such a way publicly so that the Word of God is never slandered, so it is, it's not made devoid of its meaning. This is what young women were to be taught. This is how they were to be discipled, that your life publicly needs to be in line with the Word of God. Now, having been born to a mom and having been now married to a mom and watching lots of moms try to trek and traverse through this life, you do not have an easy road. You have a thousand responsibilities that are piled upon you, uh, you and, and sometimes you pile even more upon yourself. There are all these things that are done privately and in secret and, and outside of the eye of, of, of a husband and of kids that you're constantly getting things done. You get up early, oftentimes before everybody else, because the laundry's got to get started. Or, or it's Sunday morning and a bathroom's got to be cleaned or it's the dog's got to be walked, or it's the middle of the night and the, the baby's got to be nursed, or it's the middle of the night and the teenager's not home yet. And, and there are a thousand different responsibilities, thousands upon thousands upon thousands. There's jobs to be kept and chores to be done and houses to be managed. And yet through all of this, you have this call upon your life to live in such a public way that the Word of God would not be slandered, that it would be verified, uh, that, that your life would, would cause people to understand the power of the gospel, the power of God's Word, of how it transforms you, how it changes you. So, Not that people would look at your life and say, well, that person says she is a believer in Christ. She says she's a follower of Jesus, but nothing lines up here. Her life actually counteracts this whole book and this whole faith system that she says she's a part of. But there is this call for you to, to beautifully display godly character. The life of a godly mother is a signpost pointing toward the gospel. The life of a godly mother is, is, an, it is a blazing fire before us that says that there's something about the true light of Jesus. It is a signal to us that faith is real and it is transformative when we see that godly mother living out her faith in the midst of the, all of the rat race of life. And, and Titus, I think, gets this message clearly from Paul. Because just in these few verses, I mean, in these few phrases... Encourage these young women, and then in just two verses, look at all of it is that you've got to, all this territory you have to cover. You've got to love your husband well, and sometimes we can be jerks. <laughs> I love this section over here. I'm not even going to look up because I know exactly who said that. And you've got to love your children, and sometimes... You just want to thump them right between the eyes. And you got to be self-controlled. So there's this internal like mechanism. you got to be pure. 
keeping yourself unstained from the temptations of the world. Homemakers, and, and this is not like home ec 1950s style. Uh, this is first century Roman Empire homemaker, Proverbs 31 kind of woman who knows how to handle business, who knows how to walk into the, into the public sphere, who knows how to negotiate and train and plan and take care of stuff while keeping her wits about her. Kind. And in submission, and we will get to this, guys, on Father's Day when I talk to you as well about what that means. That doesn't mean that the wife and the mom is the doormat of the home. It, 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 we're going we're gonna to talk about mutual submission so that the very revelation of God, so that the, the self-revelation of who God is is not slandered publicly, but rather you live in such a way as it puts on display the power of the transformational activity of God's Word in your life. So embrace true beauty for yourself. Display godly character public for everyone else. But then thirdly, prioritize disciple-making with your children. Prioritize this activity with your children. If you, if you just flip over a couple of pages from Titus uh, just to 2 Timothy, probably just one maybe page or two pages over, there's two places here in this, in this little book that you need to see. Here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, at the very beginning, as Paul is introducing uh, this letter to, the again, another young pastor named Timothy, he says here in verse 3, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. And in verse 5, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced is in you also. I mean, this is one more place within the Scripture where it shows the priority of how women have this indelible effect upon their families. How this grandmother Lois and this mother Eunice modeled faith in such a way that Paul could say, and now I am convinced that the sincere faith that you witnessed in your childhood is, has now taken root in your life as well. Timothy's faith first lived in these two women, not just, you know, randomly every once in a while displayed, but he says that it lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. But also, if you'll just flip over to chapter 3, uh, there are a couple of uh, verses here that 
Normally, when I will preach about the power of the Word of God, I will go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. That talks about how it is inspired by God, it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, so that, so that we will be equipped for all of the righteous work that God has for us to do. But if you back up a few verses before he gets to that treatise about the power of God's Word, start at verse 10 in chapter 3. But you, he's talking about Timothy, you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred Scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, he doesn't specifically say Eunice and Lois here again, but this is obviously who Paul is referring to that these two women took an active role in the disciple-making work in Timothy's life so that he would live out the same sincere faith that they had lived out, so that they could pass along the right heritage to them. Because Paul says, Timothy, you are going to have to persevere because there's going to be persecutions, there are going to be evil people, there are going to be imposters, and deceptions are going to abound in this world. So continue in what you learn from infancy Paul is essentially saying, look, I came along and I was part of your discipleship journey, but all of this started way before I got here because Eunice and Lois were absolutely crushing it in your life before I got here because you saw their sincere faith. And the way that Timothy learned such is logically connected to these two women. Moms, the greatest gift that you have for your children is to model, teach, and train them to follow Jesus. That is the greatest gift that you have for them. It is not to make them a straight-A student. It is not to make them an ace ball player. It is not for, to make them feel good about themselves with, with shelves lined with participation trophies. The greatest gift that you can hand to your children is to model, teach, and train them to follow Jesus. Because whatever it is that you prioritize in their childhood is going to carry over into their adulthood. And the world has a million distractions for your kids. It has all sorts of things that it, that it wants your children to focus on. Just like the, the artwork of these little girls, and I hope that you'll go out there and take a look at it all. But just like these little girls already recognize, eighth graders already recognizing the tug and the pull between the dark and the light in this world, between being beat down by people who say they're worthless and useless and not, and not worthy of anybody's affection or attention versus their dream and their hopes that they can be loved, that they can be considered beautiful, that they can be considered worthwhile of someone's attention. Eighth grade girls already recognizing this. And so how are you going to counteract that? Is it going to be by making sure they have the prettiest dress for prom? Is it going to be that you make sure they're the best athlete on the team? 
Is it going to be that you make sure that they are the ones who can deliver uh, the valedictorian speech? Or is it that you're going to hand to them a character that you're living publicly that, that is the expression and the signpost of what the Word of God transforms your life? Is it by you embracing the true beauty of being adorned with the imperishable quality of a heart and a spirit that is aligned with the gospel? Or are we going to allow them to just live in the distractions of the world that the beach is more important, that the sports are more important, that church and worship and Bible study is all optional, that this is all just a checklist of stuff that you get to do during the week, or the decision that, no, that, that faith in Christ and the living out of that faith is the most important thing. Timothy became a great leader in the church, and it all began with the faith that was lived out by the women in his life. And you ladies, moms, moms yet to be, moms that have been moms for a long time, ladies that are not moms but can support those that are, and all of us guys in the room that are either married to a mom or you're hoping to be one of these days, a dad along with a lady that you love. We need to build this up in the, in the lives of the women that the gospel truly is enough, that it truly is sufficient that the work of Christ on the cross in our place for our sins, that he was buried and rose again, that it is powerful enough and it is enough for the cleansing of our sinfulness and for the building up of a life that displays his grace and his glory and his beauty, that it is enough, that we don't need everything else, that the trappings of the world are just that, traps. So, to the moms in the room, I, I want to encourage you to embrace the beauty that God wants to adorn you with. I, I want you to embrace the idea that when Christ looks upon you, He sees you as lovely and worthy and worthwhile. That, that he, he looks upon you as someone that He was willing to, as the Son of God, to die for. That's how he sees you, worthy of the eternal love of the eternal God that he wishes to bestow upon you. And if you find yourself in a position today where you have not been embraced by that love, you've not been embraced by the gospel of salvation, you've not put your faith there, today is the day that he wants to absolutely transform you if you'll put your simple faith in the simple gospel that simply saves us. And for all of you moms that are here today and you are believers, but you have found yourself trapped by all of the junk of the world, this is a day where you can lay it all down. You lay it all down in front of the feet of Jesus who died to make you beautiful in the sight of God. Lay it all down and, and stop carrying the burden you were never intended to carry because charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But the woman who fears the Lord, she will be praised. And guys, you and I have this opportunity to live out the power of the gospel and of its redemptive power, to never again push upon these beautiful women all of the trappings of the world. If you were just this, if you would act like that, if you would just be this other thing for me, then I would be happy. What a horrible weight
to lump upon the shoulders of women that we love that Christ has redeemed, but instead let us unburden them from all of our worldly and fleshly expectations and instead stand beside them side by side looking to Jesus saying, when the Word of God is alive in you, when you display the gospel to the world, when I see you discipling our kids and our grandkids, I want to stand beside you in that work. I want to stand beside you and cheer you on. Let us be the men who come beside these ladies who are also transformed by God's Word, who embrace the, the loveliness of what the gospel does in us. So let's pray together that God would do this great work in us.